0: Alabama's syndicated news talk leader, Right Side Radio, Phil Williams here live in the Right Side Studios. Man, we got the local, the state, the national, sometimes the international. And yes, like the dude just said, we covered all solid, conservative, and just plain right. Well, I'm still in number one of the triple dipper, uh, calling it law review. So uh, I just went over for you some aspects of you know jurisprudence that are just important for us to recognize that, that literally the checks and balances provided by that third branch of government, judicial branch, very often winds up being that thing that keeps everything else in line. Uh, it also can, can have an amazing effect on our day-to-day lives. Look at the Dobbs decision over overturning Roe v. Wade and, and how that has revolutionized not just the abortion fight but also the Tenth Amendment fights where states have a right to um, you know, establish their own laws uh, and, and have a say in, in what is best for their, 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 their own citizens. Um, any number of things need to be recognized in, in terms of what's going on in the Supreme Court right now, not the least of which, by the way, is how much it matters who gets appointed to the federal bench. And those appointments are ongoing right now as we speak. Confirmations are, are, are on a regular basis. Uh, and you can imagine the Biden administration appoints liberals, whereas the Trump administration did an amazing amount to assist the conservative cause by appointing those who, can, who care about the law from a conservative view, like strict construction of the um, of the Constitution. That being said, uh, my friend Matt Clark is with the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. Uh, Matt has a long history of working in um, public interest law. Recognize that there are cases out there that need a fight, and uh, and he's one of those who's not afraid to take the fight to him. So without further ado, let me bring on my friend from the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty, Matt Clark. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, Phil. I am great. It's pleasure to be with you as always. How are you doing?
0: I'm good, brother. I'm good. Thanks very much. Appreciate you making some time. Um, I know you've got several things you've been working on, and I want to kind of run the gamut here and hear them. But there's also one case that was uh, drawing all kinds of protests on the steps of the Supreme Court yesterday with all kinds of people espousing things that don't really legally muster up um, regarding the the Biden student loan bailout. What do you know about that?
1: Uh, Yeah, so that case has has been followed very, very closely in the news. It's going to have a major impact, um, obviously. And and, yeah, watching some of the protests on the steps of the Supreme Court has just been funny. Uh, you, You know, Phil, you know that saying in. Uh, the legal industry. If you, if you got the law, argue the law. If you got uh, the facts, argue the facts. And if you got neither, pound the table and scream. And that that seems <laughs> to be what we're seeing exactly the right. right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the buy the student the student loan forgiveness. Uh, you know, obviously there are many Americans that are burdened with that. And you know, my family's one of them. I'm, I'm working really really hard to pay back our student loans right now. And I would like a break. But, you know, I think morally the question is, is it right to take that, you know, burden off of me and place it on people who never signed up for it uh, to begin with? Because they're the ones that are going to have to pay it back if if I don't. That, that's what my problem is. Um, legally, though, and, and constitutionally speaking, uh, a lot of this comes back to uh, a doctrine that we call the major question doctrine, yeah. which I'm sure you know very well, but, you know, if your audience doesn't, um, th- this has been on a winning streak in the Supreme Court over the last couple of years, and, and it holds that... If an administrative agency, uh, like the Department of Education, is going to take action that has major uh, economic or social or political consequences, then they have to show that Congress clearly gave them the authorization to do this, because uh, one of the problems is these executive branch agencies can um, they can find a statute, they can find some ambiguous language in there and really stretch it to try to justify what they want to do. Um, so in this case, uh, the the authority to forgive student loans supposedly relies on a federal law called the Heroes Act, which was meant to give flexibility to our service members, um, you know, who who sign up to to serve our our country like you did, Phil, um, with, with with their student loans. Uh, but you know, kind of like a bad preacher that you know takes a Bible verse you know seriously out of context and. and uses it to make a completely unbiblical point. I mean, that's what the Biden administration's been doing with that provision of the HEROES Act to forgive $400 billion of uh, student loan debt for for all Americans, regardless of whether they served or not. Um, and it looked to me like the justices of the Supreme Court were very, very skeptical uh, about the Biden administration's ability to do that. I don't think they're going to let him get away
0: with it. that that That's thats what, I, what I've read so far seemed to indicate that the questioning from the justices, which doesn't always give it away, but the questioning from the justices seemed to indicate they were not in favor of the Biden position.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, Phil. Um, oral argument went for about, I think, three and a half hours now. I'm, I'm going to concede see it up here. I didn't have three and a half hours to give to, to listen to that, so I, I have not listened to the recordings. But uh, I have you know, read some some write ups from um, organizations like Scotus Blog, which really does a good job of you know boiling down what happened if, if you don't have the time to listen for yourself. Um, <clears throat> and it seemed like at least the six conservative leaning justices, including Chief Justice Roberts, um, uh, all, all seem very very skeptical uh, that the Biden administration could get away with this. Um, and you're right, th- things can change between whether justice is your oral argument and when they come out with the opinion. But honestly, I, I think they're they're probably going to strike this down and-, and not let Biden do it.
0: Well, I, I think that's, uh, yeah, I think you're right. And uh, that's going to be interesting to see. It's also, it's it's one of the most egregious forms of fiscal overreach I think we've seen out of a very overreaching administration in general. So it's going to be it's gonna be I'm hopeful that we'll wind up seeing it. So if they heard oral arguments this month in in basically March, when will we expect the decision to come down? Would it be would it be a June or would it be coming in the next term?
1: Uh you know, I, I think it would probably come in June. The, the the Supreme Court works really hard to um try to get all the opinions out by the end of their term that they heard that term. Uh every once in a while they go over and they save it for, for the next term, but that's exceptionally rare and, and I don't think they're gonna do it here. So I think we will see an opinion by june likely in june itself that that tends to be when the supreme court releases its its most controversial opinions
0: okay all right. Well, tell you what, uh, let's let's move on to something else. So uh, you've you've been doing some work. The Center for Law and Liberty uh, has been really in the mix in the fight against um, vaccine mandates. And I know you guys just dealt with the University of Alabama uh, here most recently. Uh, tell us about that, because that's a classic classic. To me, that's a classic version of the, the conservative public interest law uh, organizations like yours uh, stepping out there and, and sort of getting in the mix for us.
1: Well, thanks, Phil. And, and by the way, I mean, to, to, to give you credit here, um, you know, back when we were new in 2021, you know, one of our biggest fights was uh, against vaccine mandates was uh, against the launch alliance. You broke the story. You sounded the alarm on that. And when we got word. we were able to come in and try to help those folks. So t- thank you for your vigilance on this stuff as well. Um, but with the University of Alabama, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing less and less new vaccine mandate cases, but uh, they still pop up occasionally. And what happened at the University of Alabama was its nursing program said, um, you know, for, for your nursing students, because our clinical sites require people to be vaccinated against COVID, you know, so if, if you're doing clinicals through us, you're going to go work at a hospital. They require you to be vaccinated against COVID, and that's because the federal government requires it. We are not going to entertain any requests for a religious exemption at all. Either get the jab or uh, you're out of the program. Wow. Um yeah, so our our client was a uh, a sophomore at the University of Alabama, and she called us. She says, "Hey, I'm I'm going to get the axe here if nothing happens. You know, I, I've got I've got religious and ethical problems because of the connection to uh, aborted fetal cells. I, I don't think I can do this with good conscience." So we told her, "Hey, don't worry about it. We have got you." So uh, I reached out to the general counsel for University of Alabama. Uh, he, he's a pretty reasonable guy, by the way. I like him. Um and, and I told him, I said, Listen, the student's been told by the administrator that uh, the, the, the federal government is not allowing any religious exemptions, and therefore she can't get the message. Look, you and I, we're both lawyers. We both know that's wrong. Here's where the regulation specifically says you can have religious exemptions. Here's where the U.S. Constitution requires it. Here's where federal statutory law requires it. So, look, if we got to fight over this, I can beat you up five different ways. Or you can do the easy thing. You can do the easy thing and just you know tell them, drop the mandate so we don't get sued. And, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, so they accommodated wow. our... Our client uh, immediately, you know, we, we gave him a deadline saying, you know, because she's going to be kicked out by this date, we're going to sue before then, so here's your deadline. But uh, they, they dropped it, they granted her the accommodation, and she wants everybody to know, hey, if you run into some more problems, the Alabama Center for Law will be easier here to help you.
0: And that's that's awesome, uh, Matt. I, that I, that one hadn't even been on my radar, so I am so glad to hear that. Um, and and listen, we got about a minute before the break. Can you can you hang on through the break, and we'll talk some more afterwards? Is that yeah. all right with you? All right. So before we yeah, go to the absolutely. break, though, let me ask you this because you were also dealing with similar issues. Uh, I, I think was it Saint Vincent's at one point that was um, um, UAB. Oh UAB. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how's that resolving? Do we have any any movement on that yet?
1: Uh, no, I, I think UAB like. Um, the University of Alabama chose to do it the easy way when I reached out to them. I had to sue them because, um, you know, federal law required uh, religious exemptions to be granted. But, but beyond that. The, the, the more fundamental problem was they were a government entity, and Alabama law says if you're the government, you can't force people to get the COVID vaccine. So, you know, I said, hey, I got you, yeah. so why don't you just drop it? And, and, and fortunately they did, so we didn't need to sue them, and I have not heard of any more problems out of them. So okay. credit to UAB for doing the right thing, but if anybody else is in trouble, we're here to help.
0: All right, well, that's, that's, that's a good word, man. All right, listen, uh, we'll take a break right now. Uh, we're with Matt Clark from the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. Question I had from one of our texters early is is about the ability to actually get something done in the legal realm. And I think what you're hearing is you can get something done, sometimes not even having to go to court, just showing somebody what the law is and straightening things out. Good stuff. Y'all stay tuned. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio. We will be right back. And we are back. Phil Williams, Right Side Radio, solid, conservative, and just plain right. We're finishing up number one on the Triple Dipper. I'm just calling it Law Review because we've gone through several things so far. By the way, I want to point out to you, as I mentioned earlier, liberals seem to have the, 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 the way forward for their causes, legally speaking, with organizations like the ACLU and the SPLC and others. But more and more, conservatives have gotten into the realm of what we call public interest law, with organizations like the American Enterprise Institute and uh, the Alliance Defending Freedom and the Heritage Foundation and the Pacific, uh, oh gosh, what's their name? The Pacific Legal Foundation and a number of others. And you've got one right here in Alabama called the Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. And that's my friend, Matt Clark. And so without further ado, let me go back to the phones with Matt. Matt, uh, let me jump back in with you. Uh, I love the things you were talking there about the, uh, the the recent fight yesterday in the Supreme Court. I say fight arguments uh, over the um, the spending, the uh, the student loan bailout. You've also talked about vaccine mandates, what you've done here in the state. But there's another case you brought to my attention when we were texting back and forth last night that could even affect the United Launch Alliance case that's uh, coming up before the Supreme Court. How's that going to work?
1: So the the case name is Gross v. DeJoy. Um, and this is all about religious liberty in the workplace um so so a little bit of background here for for the listeners um uh, the, the vast majority of Americans enjoy uh federally protected religious liberty in, in the workplace that's protected by uh title 7 of the civil rights act of 1964 so that's the same law that protects people against racial discrimination sex discrimination uh stuff like that um now uh the the, the statute says if you know, an employee has a religious objection that conflicts with their workplace requirements, then it's the employer's job to accommodate the employee, unless doing so would impose an undue hardship on the employer. Now, this isn't rocket science. This is common sense. It's based on the belief that religious freedom is sacred. And so generally speaking, if, if you know, somebody comes to their boss and says, hey, I feel like it would be sin for me to do this. Is there any way we can work something out? You ought to try to work something out. Um, that may not be limitless, you know. Like if I run a business that's open on Sundays and all of my employees uh, say, "Hey, Sunday's my Sabbath," well, I, I got to find somebody to work it. So, um, but but generally speaking, the law is designed to, uh, to to be able to grant reasonable accommodations. Now, the problem with it is in 1977, in a case called Transworld Airlines versus Hardison, the U.S. Supreme Court said that um, if the employer has to bear anything more than a de minimis cost, then it's an undue burden. So that has made really? it so easy to gut. Yeah, it, it is so easy for employers to get around that because what the law really has in mind is is the employer bearing some kind of substantial hardship. Uh, but if it's any more than a de minimis burden, then you know, the employer says, sorry, I can't do it. Do what I said or you're fired. Um, that, that's exactly what happened in the United Launch Alliance case, where uh, United Launch Alliance you know, fired 100 percent of their employees that um, uh, applied for a religious exemption. They're even like, look, I'll get tested for COVID weekly. I will pay for the testing so the company doesn't have to do it. I'll wear a mask. I'll socially distance. I'm fine with that. Just don't make me get the vaccine. Come and say, nope, forget it. You're fired if you don't get it. Um, so, so the United Launch Alliance case is still pending. Uh, but if the Supreme Court overrules Hardison in Groff it says, all right, undue burden means some kind of substantial hardship – then that's really going to, you know, uh, change um, the fights in the lower courts, including the ones I'm handling. Wow, that's uh, going to give us much, much greater chance of success. And, and, and I think we're going to see the, the the kind of respect in the workplace for religious liberty that it really deserves.
0: So, do, do we know in that in that case you're you're mentioning there, groffy DeJoy, have has the Supreme Court already agreed to take it up, or is it is it something that's yeah. still pending for for review?
1: Yeah, they have. So they granted certiorari uh, about a month ago. Ah. um we. we yeah, we did an amicus brief in supported the petition urging uh, the court to take the case. They granted it, and we just filed another one at the merit stage. Uh, there was something like, I think, 34 amicus briefs that came in at the merit stage. That's about, uh, I, I think that's the record for this year. So a lot of conservative public interest groups are, are very interested in this
0: case. Well, I guess so. I mean, the vaccine mandates, you know, the, the, the entire case history of vaccine mandates across the spectrum uh, has really opened people's eyes to, and you find these niche issues, and and this one, this undue burden piece is one niche issue that can unravel a lot of those cases. And and I, I and I'm I'm betting those amicus briefs were coming in from all angles, from what you described.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. So you know, it, it, we we got a heck of a coalition. I saw a groups. Uh, like, like not not only Christian groups, but Muslim groups, Jewish groups, Hindu groups, Buddhist groups. There were a bunch of people saying, Hey, all of us that have different religious backgrounds have run into problems like this before, and we we just we we just want you guys to give the statute, you know, the the respect it deserves and. You know, go, go with what Congress had intended from the beginning. That, that's all we want.
0: That's fascinating. It, and I don't know. I don't know how fascinated my audience is. I think. I think it's fascinating, and I think you're doing a great job. So, Matt, listen. Uh, if, if folks want to know how to find you or support what you're doing, where do they go?
1: Uh, thanks, Phil. Uh, you feel free to check out our website at alabamalawandliberty.org, dot and we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under Law and Liberty AL.
0: All right, man. Well, I appreciate you, Matt. Uh, we'll have you back on again as as things develop. And if you hear any new things uh, regarding that uh, uh, Groffy to Joy case, too, let me know. All right.
1: Sounds good. Thank you so much, Phil. All
0: right. Thank you. Well, listen, that, that concludes number one of the Triple Dipper Law Review. But let me just end it with this. If you are if you are at all fascinated with how the third co-equal branch of government uh, puts checks and balances for conservative causes in place, then yeah, check out. For instance, you just heard Matt Clark, uh, Alabama Center for Law and Liberty. They've got um, they got their website. Uh, you've also got other organizations that I would say check them out. Alliance Defending Freedom is one that I'm, I'm very keen on that works on a national level. The Federalist Society, the Federalist Society is is out there to ensure the the the, 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 the constitutional uh, reviews uh, are are strictly construed. Uh, you've got. Um, any number of uh, landmark legal foundation. You've got Pacific Legal Foundation and just because they're Pacific legal, they work all over the nation, I can just tell you. Institute for Justice, American Center for, for Law and Justice and then and then yeah, they're, they're all over the place but, but find you one, check them out once in a while. You may be shocked to see that it's a case you actually care about that's going up for the Supreme Court. Alright, we're coming right back with my favorite segment of the week, Boomer and McQueen. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.